Welcome to the Automation Unplugged podcast, the podcast for technology professionals featuring leading industry personalities. I'm your host, Ron Callis. features guest Jason Knott, data solutions architect and evangelist at Dtools. Jason has been involved in the low voltage smart home market since 1990. He was the editor of security sales and integration for 10 years and has spent the last 23 years as the editor of CE Pro. He recently joined Dtools as the data solutions architect and evangelist. We live streamed today's interview on social media on Friday, June 23rd at 12.45 p.m. Eastern Time. During our time together, we discussed Jason's 23 years of experience as editor of CE Pro Magazine, the role of recurring revenue in the AV and automation industry, and some of the actionable insights possible thanks to DTools business intelligence capabilities. I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you do as well. Let's tune into this interview with Jason Knott. Jason, how are you, sir? I'm great, Ron. Thanks for having me. You know, I thought you were going to say it was an odd day and an odd time because you had such an odd guest on. So I think I fit that bill, right? I almost went there. I was like, do I go with the odd path or special? I was like, oh, we'll just call it special. I guess that makes us the odd couple, right? We are the odd couple. Uh, you know, you, it's interesting. You joined CE Pro. I want to look back at your whole career. But if we look at the CE Pro side of things, I read, I think it, well, you know what? I have your last edition. This is the June 2023 edition of CE Pro. I actually just had this arrive here today at my house and uh in this publication is your lovely mug and uh your final editorial uh as editor-in-chief of ce pro and there it is it says looking back at 23 years at ce pro and uh i've actually been in the industry for 23 years so you let, you moved on from the security industry into the CI space at the same time that I joined the CI space. So does that mean it was around 2000 ish? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was just to kind of give everybody the timeline. So um, came out of journalism school uh, and immediately started working for trade publications in various niche industries. Uh, and in 1990, I landed at uh, what was a magazine called Alarm Installer and Dealer that went by the acronym AIDS. Oh my. Yeah. So goodness. it was and immediate. Somebody thought this was a good idea? It was pre-AIDS. So it was an immediate change, Nate change. So I, myself, along with the publisher, we, uh, in 1990, we changed the name of the magazine to Security Sales, which subsequently became Security Sales and Integration. And I covered the uh, alarm industry from 1990 all the way through 2000. And during that time, got to know 
you know, a lot of various people. And if everybody remembers, puts on their, their memory banks, they can remember the Telecommunications Act of 1996 that um, enabled the regional bell companies, Pacific Bell and uh, 9X, and et cetera, to then be um, unburdened uh, as restricted just telecom companies within their regions. And everybody in the security industry thought that they were going to just jump into the security business and security integrators were going to go out of business. So what happened is following that in 1996, you started seeing a lot of integrators start to move to home entertainment and home mm -hmm. automation, smart home, which is we now call it. Um, so I, we were starting to write about that and see this migration of a chunk of the industry moving on the residential side, security integrators into home automation. And uh, that was kind of how I followed that trend to CE Pro in 2000. And if everybody remembers, the owner of uh, CE Pro, uh, Ken Moyes, uh, used to be the president of Arius Distribution, which was the number two security distribution company uh, behind uh, ADI. And he had launched uh, what was called HA Pro magazine, actually, uh, in the late 90s, and then uh, hired on Julie Jacobson, who was uh, worked for him at Arius. And I knew them in the security space very, very well. And they had been bugging me for years to come over to CE Pro. Please come over. Please come over. The stars aligned. Um, I'm an LA kid. So I'm, it was not an easy thing to move to the East Coast and, and complain about the weather every day, but it's what happened. And moved out here to Massachusetts, which is where I live now, and became the editor of CE Pro in, in 2000 and all the way until 2023. So that's kind of the, the long and short of it. Where, where are you coming to today to us from? Are you, are you at home? Are you at a home office? I am. So we actually shut, the CE Pro actually shut down its offices in Framingham in December of 2022. So I migrated to, I just- you used to always go to the office. Yes, I was in the office, um, even through COVID which I got to say was awesome to be the only person in the office, myself and the IT guy. You the probably only got two a people. lot done. Oh, I was so productive. It was incredible. So, um, but yeah, we shut down the office and I, I migrated to a home office about what, seven months ago now. And um, this is not my home office. I'm actually in my wife's office right now. So it looks a little disheveled, but um, we wanted to have the best connection and this has got a better connection. So. That and I'm in a little so, town. I'm in a little town called Sturbridge, Massachusetts, by the way. So, about uh, 60 miles uh, west of Boston, and about 15 miles or 12 miles west of Worcester, for people who might know uh, the New England area. So, Jason, you are newly unemployed. How I does am. that? How does that feel? Now, that said, that's a bit of a nuanced statement because you're actually eminently going to be starting a new role with Dtools. How does that feel? You haven't been unemployed in a few decades. No. Well, it's funny. I look back and the last day that I had off prior to this uh, gap between CE Pro and Dtools was August 14th of 2021. So uh, I was uh, needed the day off. Let's just put it that way. And it's been great. So I actually gave two months notice at CE Pro in early April is when we made the announcement. Um, Arlen Schweiger is the new editor-in-chief of CE Pro. He's been there for 17 years. He's going to be doing an awesome job. 
Uh, and, and so I gave a two months notice and you were mentioning that being my last editorial, everybody don't be shocked because there's going to be articles in the July issue and the August issue that I have written. So, um, I've, that's, you've got to work so far in advance in print. So, um, yeah. you might think, gee, when is this guy ever going to go away? But, um, there's going to be articles for the next few months also in CE Pro that I've written. What sort of emotions were going through your mind when you were writing this piece? This last goodbye piece to the, in this capacity, this job, there's a lot of consumers of everything you write. What was, what was going through your, your head when you wrote the, read A that? couple of things. One is, how am I going to fit all this, what I want to say on one page, which is hard to do because there was so much that I wanted to say. And the other thing is, this industry is so communal. Uh, so, you know, everybody is the entrepreneurial spirit of the custom electronics industry is incredible. Uh, and it's what I attracted me to working in this industry and, and all the, the friends that I've developed over the years, I'm not going away. I'm still going to know them. I'm still going to be at all the shows, but I'm just not going to be in your, your mailbox every month. Uh, you know, saying something that you should pointing my finger at you saying something you should do. <laughs> you, you might, you know, need to get into RMR. Come on people. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, I've had somebody tell me this and I, I've said this many times is I taught one, one of the things that shocked me, quite frankly, when I came over from the security space, uh, a couple of things, but, but one of them is recurring monthly revenue and the lack thereof that was in the custom electronics industry. And everybody knows the security industry is a recurring revenue a business model and a very successful one. And when I came over to the custom electronics industry, everybody was, nobody was doing recurring revenue. Very few people. And I think a lot of the security integrators that I mentioned earlier who were migrating over were probably surprised by that also. But the, at the same time, there were lessons learned that the security market had gotten to, if everybody remembers, in the late 90s, you could get a free alarm system. You know, they were giving them away in exchange for um, the recurring revenue contracts, the, the monthly uh, monitoring fees. And so I think the security industry guys who came over learned look, there is value in the equipment and the gear and the labor of what I'm putting in. You don't see free systems anymore. Um, you do see low cost ones still, but you don't see free ones anymore. And uh, I think uh, conversely, this, these custom electronics industry has absolutely learned the value of recurring monthly revenue. And I beat it like a dead horse in CE Pro talking about service revenue, not necessarily just alarm monitoring revenue, but service revenue. Now there's so many different ways, uh, video storage fees, um, uh, service and maintenance agreements, obviously alarm um, agreements. There's, there's different ways that integrators can make um, money. Even some guys were making money uh, with uh, monthly Sonos radio recommendation fees for their customers. So you can get very, very creative in this, but it's one of the most rewarding things I've, I, I've had is I have integrators consistently come up to me and say, I never did any recurring revenue and you talked about it and I did it and I'm, I can't believe I hadn't done it. And thank you for talking about it so much because it's really brought value to my business and obviously um, revenue to my business. But one guy joked to me, he said, you wrote about RMR so much that when you die, 
your epitaph on your gravestone is going to say not RIP, but RMR. So uh, that's, that's so true. But, you had but, an impact on me, Jason. I don't think I've ever told you that, uh, but I'll do it here live because why not? My business, when I started it in 07, we were doing projects. It was all project engineering based. Like we would do engineering, we would do proposal details, proposals and details, project drawings for integrators. And it was all flat fee based on the type of engineering product we'd be delivering. We were paid a fee. So, you know, you have a great month and you're at the beginning of the new month, you're back at zero. And then you got to go, I, I, you know, talking the sales standpoint of that business, it's called Firefly Design Group. And you were preaching even then, and I say that with love and affection, you were preaching in the publications about the role of our marks. You had that strong background with security. And I started to listen. And I added very early on in my business a recurring element where we were helping integrators with their social media. We were started helping them with their email. This is when I was an engineering company. And we started to do these recurring things. And then fast forward here at One Firefly, we ended up in 2015 closing down the engineering business and the programming business because those were project-focused businesses in deference to or in preference to the recurring marketing business. And today my business is greater than 70% recurring. And there's no doubt my ability to invest in R&D to continue to innovate. We have some exciting new things we'll be launching at CEDIA this year. And in the ability to provide a better place for our team to work uh, and you know, better benefits for our team, um, you know, and, and, and all the benefits, you know, personal and professional to RMR, the business we are that I am here at One Firefly today you were the voice talking about the power and benefit of recurring revenue. And I lived on the other side of it and it was hard. And we're here on the, the other side. It's not that it's not hard. It's just less hard. It's less hard when you have that, you know, those um, fees coming in at the beginning of the month and you can already start to design out your production and what, what do you need to do? Who's going to be working on it? because you know that that work is ongoing. Those commitments are ongoing. It's uh, you were, th there was no one else, frankly. Well, it's whispering funny. in my ear telling me to do that, but it was you and you were talking to the integrator, but what you didn't know is I was also listening. Well, it's funny because one of the other uh, elements, you, you kind of really hit two of the really central themes from the security industry that surprised me. One of the other elements that, that surprised me when I came over in 2000 was the lack of marketing that takes place in the custom electronics industry because it is a referral-based business. But I think people recognize you still have to market to get referrals. But in the security space, um, you know, years ago, and I think it just celebrated its uh, 28th anniversary at uh, ISC West, I created what was called the SAMI Awards, the Sales and Marketing Awards at Security Sales. And we recognized the best in the security space of, of community involvement, uh, website design, uh, truck decals and, and design, uh, brochures, um, uh, videos. It's migrated to add videos and things like that. 
But then you come over to the custom electronics side and nobody was doing marketing. Yep. So there was not just a void on the RMR side, but there was an extreme void on the marketing side. And we'd done research that the typical residentially focused security uh, installation firm s- spends 6% of their, um, m- their expenditures on marketing. And uh, I would bet there's hardly any, if there is one even, maybe a retail- retailer of some sort in, this, in the uh, custom electronics space who spends any percentage, more than 1% of their, of their money on marketing, which is a, a mistake. And the other thing I want to say is I have to thank you, Ron, because we were at a CDM management conference years ago and uh, we were sitting at a, one of the lunch tables, I think it was, and we were talking about the lack of business courses at CDA Expo and how we could get more business-oriented courses, not the technical courses, but the business-oriented courses. And um, I said to you at the time, I said, boy, I'd love to be on that committee. And I remember you said you would, and you got up from your chair and you came back like literally three minutes later and said, you're on the committee. And and I was on that committee for 10 years, helping bring together um, sessions, business-oriented sessions. And I know a few years ago, CD actually tracked and said that the attendance at CDA Expo for the business courses for the first time was higher than it was for the technical courses, which is a testament to how the industry's matured and, and what you've done. So I have you to thank for that. I was on that committee for 10 years and I loved it. You, you could thank me or hate me for that, but uh, no, I, I, our industry is getting better thanks to you and uh, the writers and the content put in your, your publication, CE Pro, because so much about business, so much about being a good integrator is being a good business person and learning those fundamentals. And I think a lot of that best learning comes from each other, from other businesses that have been successful. There's a lot of lessons purchased along the way in running a business or running an enterprise. And ultimately, the business education through CDF. By the way, I want to say that was 2010. Does that, does that sound about right? Uh, maybe when I was, I remember very vividly you and I hanging out and having that conversation. I went and got Peter Ship, who was at the time uh, out of Orlando. He was at the time, I think, the chair of the CDF business uh, committee. And then uh, he passed the baton to me. And then I was the chair of the committee for a few years. And what we needed was a voice to help get the message out to the industry at large that business acumen running a a good, uh, you know, I could go A to Z of the, the fundamentals of running a business. If the integrators could get better at that, then ultimately the industry wins, the manufacturers win, the customers win, the entrepreneurs win, running these businesses, the employees that work for them win. Like we need them to actually know the money in the bank, whether it's actually their money or liabilities. We need them to actually be thinking about uh, the success and prosperity and within their company, the culture of how are they taking care of their people? Because if they do a better job of that, then ultimately the company is going to be more successful and the, the customer is going to be happier, you know, and, and, and. We need them to focus on process development. How do you bring someone in and prepare them for success in that business if you don't have anything written down? 
Jason Sayan's doing a lot of that work now with his new consultancy. And man, I passed the baton to you and you ran with it and then you wrote about it and then you talked about it. And there's no doubt our industry is much stronger because of that. So yeah, and it, sol- it solves the big, big, you know, elephant in the room, which is the labor issue. You know, all those things that you just mentioned, if you do all those things, you run a better company, a more profitable company, a company that people want to stay at and want to go work at. And that resolves this lack of labor that everybody is facing, no matter who you are in the industry. Uh, it, I don't want to say it resolves it, it improves it. Because I think even if you're doing all those things, you're probably still looking for good labor. But um, but it helps a lot. So I, well, you're doing that to help them. I, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, I, I do agree our industry at large is bottlenecked. I'll give a, an, a current, you know, this is June 2023. So I'll give it kind of like my very quick synopsis of, I think, the state of our industry, at least in the United States and Canada. I know we have listeners around the world, but in the in North America, I think that this is a current economy right now in the integration space of the haves and the have-nots. Good integrators are busier than they can stand. And in fact, in many cases, can't do more work and their bottleneck is people. And because a lot of that middle market is gone right now because of the economy and inflation and interest rates and stress, God help you if you actually turn on TV, it's quite dramatic. You know, you think the whole world's going to burn down. So I just, I choose personally not to watch the news. Uh, but so that middle market is gone. And so there, there are certainly some integrators that are out there um, that are hurting. And I think the people part of the solve for those really good businesses, there needs to be more focus and attention on helping our industry recruit more technicians into the space, helping these individual businesses better understand how to hire maybe not just from their local market, but nationally. And, and then when the market turns and any down market isn't down forever, it pivots and it'll be an up market. And then you're going to have that whole middle market come back. And then there's really going to be a sucking sound as it relates to a need for people. Are you, do you have an opinion that that's the current state of things or do you see it differently? Yeah, no. And, you know, we were talking about market conditions and, and, we just went through the recurring revenue void. We went through the marketing void that you filled. And it's really kind of what's driven me to take this details job because there is a lack of data in this industry that has been there forever. And if people notice over the last several years, I've been doing these regular deep dives in CE Pro that give status analysis of various um, markets, whether it be lighting, whether it be um, out the outdoor space, um, whether it be uh, we just did one on multi-dwelling uh, unit market, you know. So we're taking kind of bits and pieces and doing uh, looks at these pieces of the market, and to try and tell integrators what's going on out there, exactly as you described, um, between the haves and the have-nots. I talked to a lot of integrators who, as you said you know, they're surpassing their revenues from the previous year in the first half of the year. And then others who realize um, that uh, things are slowing down, you know, and they can see it in 
their uh, forecasts. They can see it in the number of propo- number of proposals, number of quotes. You know, there's easy ways to 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 see that. And if you become a much more analytical integrator, uh, looking at your business, not just the sales side, but every aspect of the business, it's going to improve their bottom line. And I think those are those are going to be the guys who thrive, as you say, that come out of this in a strong position versus the ones who are, gee, I, I don't know why the phone's not ringing. Gee, what's on my website? Do I have something about lighting on my website? Maybe I don't. Have I looked at my website? I was in a meeting earlier today and the uh, guilty shall not be named. He hadn't looked at his own website in three years. He did not even know what was on his website. And that's funny, except it's not funny and it's quite common. And, you know, I guess I I won't even step on the soapbox of marketing, but I, I think that the, the winners today, the businesses that are really excelling I was talking to a business in the Midwest and he'll do about $6 million in revenue. And he said he actually, if he had the people, he could do 10 million this year because there's enough demand there. He just can't get the work done. He doesn't have a way to to put it through the machine that is his business. And I think if you look at those successful businesses, if we can find a way to get solve this people part of the equation, I think that is ultimately what helps our industry continue to, to, to move forward. But when you look at your current or your new role at DTools, expound on that. I mean, I know there's a lot of curiosity from me and those that are listening. How does data help the industry? How Specifically, how does data help the integrator? How does data help the manufacturer? And what is this data that you're talking about? What is this new information that's going to improve things? And clearly it was inspirational enough for you to decide to make a move. So, yeah. I mean, tell us about that as well, if you don't mind. Yeah. So, um, as people may or may not know that uh, for years, DTools had systems system integrator, which was its uh, on-premise software solution for integration companies. And about three years ago, they launched DTools Cloud. So, this is a cloud-based version of the software business management software that integrators then instead of having to, you know, fork out a a significant amount of money and have it on premise, it was a a monthly going back to our recurring monthly revenue conversation. It it was a a recurring monthly revenue um, uh, software, software as a service that they offer. And very, very, um, you know, rapidly, I'll say details that now has over a thousand integrators on DTools Cloud. So the beauty of that is that now DTools has the ability to analyze the data and look at it in aggregate and look at, you know, profitability numbers, look at uh, labor burden, uh, labor uh, hours, look at freight costs, look at um, what what is the profitability on Crestron versus Control 4 installations. For example, what is it, a profitability or the revenue on retrofit versus new construction uh, projects? What types of systems integrated versus multi-app control solutions are producing more revenue, more profit? Um, these are the sorts of things that integrators need to be looking at for themselves within their own company, but also be able to look at their data compared to what we will call industry averages. You know, why is 
um, why is that not as proper? You know, why DTools will be able to say, this is not as profitable as other integrators in your region might be uh, producing for the same and a dealer type of would see this potentially in their DTools yes. environment. They would see it within their proposal or it would be yeah. visible in that yeah. way. And, and, and adjust or not adjust based upon what they're, what they want to do. Um, uh, so it's, it's providing them with data insights into their business. And so one of the, um, one of my, um, uh, plans is that I'm going to be doing regular reports that I will be able to, you know, show the industry some of these, whether, you know, slice and dicing, just like at CE Pro, slicing and dicing some of these potential market opportunities, these labor issues. Um, uh, as I said, you know, uh, freight, let's say a whole thing on freight, a whole thing on job cost analysis, things like that, and presenting them to the industry based upon the real data from DTools mm -hmm. Cloud in aggregate. So um, you might say, well, gee, weren't you kind of doing that at CE Pro with those deep dives? So those are all survey-based. I was doing surveys out to the readership of CE Pro and asking them, for example, hey, you know, what was your uh, labor, uh, your profit margin on that last motorized shade installation you did? They don't have that number at hand when they're answering the survey. So the, the questions are being asked in ranges and then creating medians from the ranges. Um, I'm not saying it's inaccurate, but this date detools data is going to be much more accurate because it's going to be based upon real data. And um, so and not the, just proposals, right? But you'll know it within the software, is it, I haven't used detools cloud. So clear, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. But within the software, the business owner would note a proposal as won or lost. Is that true? Like you would know if it's actually been closed, meaning the client paid, signed, signed a contract? Yeah, because obviously then it processes to the sales, to the ordering of the equipment. So if you can actually see if it, I'll go even a step farther back than that, Ron. It actually has the ability to see the quoting, before pre-proposal quoting, the proposal itself, and then the actual uh, closed proposal that is ordered. So um, this is where we get into where, what does this benefit from a manufacturer standpoint? So if I'm a manufacturer, um, the, the, the software actually would be able to show if their solution, their in-wall speaker, for example, is being changed out between the quote and the proposal on a consistent mm -hmm. basis and determine why that's happening. It could be happening on a regional basis. It could be happening on only with larger dealers who are only are dealers who are focused on new construction versus retrofit, you know, doing the real analysis is to find out why um, their solution is being uh, quoted, but then not ending up in the initial, it could be cost, you know, it could yeah. be the customer said, I, eh, I don't want to do that. Or it could be the customer said, eh, I don't want to do in-wall speaker, in-ceiling speakers at all. Let's take those completely out. So, um, but real deep analysis for a manufacturer. And this, I go back to um, a lot of the manufacturers in this industry uh, who need to, again, we look at what happened with the supply chain situation that was going out there and all the manufacturers that got caught with their pants down because they assumed that the market was dead and was going to just stop. And they subsequently 
inform their factories to stop on various production. They stopped buying microchips and all those sorts of things that they needed to be doing. But if they had had insight to seeing what was being quoted, which is even in advance of the proposal stage, they would know what's coming down the pike and have much more accurate forecasting for their to be able to provide their factories with the information they need all the way down to the SKU level. Let's just say, oh my gosh, look at all the 100 watt amplifiers that are being uh, quoted and proposed versus the 50 watts. We need to ramp up our 100 watt amplifiers versus our 50 watt production. So it can be very, very narrowly sliced and diced based upon the various categories that manufacturers are in. And then geographically divide, uh, divided. So let's just How? say, why, why, why are all these 100 watt, what's going on in the North Pacific Northwest as to why this product is doing well and it's not doing well in Florida, for example? Um, and then they can maybe internally look at their own sales situation or whatever it might be, or again, push marketing incentives to that market, that area that, that needs a little more of a push to help close yep. the deal. So I'm sorry I interrupted there. Go ahead. No, no, I was just a couple, I mean, lots of questions. It sounds incredibly exciting. So I'm imagining a future where you probably have data analysts working under you that are crunching and slicing and dicing this data. I mean, is that like a future state where you have a division within DTools that is this data division feeding the dealers and manufacturers some free data, and then there's probably a paid model if they want the good stuff? Yeah, so if I'm a manufacturer and I want to see um, my particular product versus the market in general, um, you know, there's going to be, again, a recurring revenue um, play to this, whether they see it on a monthly basis, a quarterly basis, annual basis, whatever frequency they want to be. If they want to see a static reports that are, I would be writing based upon this, or if they want to have access to a dashboard where they can go in and actually maybe crunch some of the data on their own. I did learn something I've learned very quickly, Ron, you mentioned the term data analysis. Analysts, I should say, is it's a very vague term. You know, what one company determines as a data analyst isn't what another company is. In general, what you just said is true, um, that uh, there will be data analysts who are doing this um, uh, this development, but I think I don't want to get, I'm just kind of like a system integrator, you know, what some one person defines as that versus another. I've already had conversations with people who are like, well, what is a really a data analyst? And it's a, it's kind of an ambiguous term. So they're, they're probably somewhere out there is like a college degree in data analyzing. And then there's like the person that did not get that college degree, but is crunching the numbers per some exactly. internally defined SOP. Yeah. So considering our industry generally is at its infancy with all of this, I think you guys will get away with calling whoever does this data analyst. And I don't know that anyone would object to that, I would yep. imagine. And so again, just kind of expanding on that, I'm a manufacturer, again, not only be able to break down this market size, uh, but also look at um, direct versus distribution, all the data versus and what's being sold. If, if I'm a manufacturer who sells direct, but also sells through distribution, I can see the the, the delta variances there. Um, I can see particular categories, not just my the categories of of my product, but the general category. So if if uh, like I said, if um, touch seven inch touch panels 
uh, the market is growing by 12 or 15%, but I'm a manufacturer and my seven inch touch panels are only going by 3% market share or market um, quarter over quarter or month over month. What am I doing wrong? I'm actually losing market share. What can, how can I, yeah. how can I look at that? So um, even um, to the detail of, I think manufacturers will be interested in uh, the capacity of labor uh, in a particular market at the dealer level. So for example, if I'm, uh, if, if I can look at the dealer base in um, Miami and see that a lot of those integrators are working overtime already because that D-Tools, cloud tracks the labor, the labor is in there. So they can see that those there's a lot of dealers in Miami who are, are working overtime. But then there are a lot of dealers who are not get working overtime or there are less hours being paid in Boston. Then there, guess what? There's capacity there's growth capacity growth for market growth in Boston versus possibly in Miami because the dealers mm. are tapped out in Miami. So that could mean, let me focus some energy um, in this new England market to see, because we know that there are technicians who are not having to work overtime up there. So think about how detailed and analytical you can possibly get with this data and, and really, really, um, uh, boost your bottom line. So when I found out what Details was doing, um, and again, the conversation, I think I shared this with you on a separate call, was we were having a conversation about me writing stuff based on Details Cloud for CE Pro. And when I found out all the data they were doing, I got just so excited by it. I'm like, this is really just like you and I talked about the marketing void, just like the RMR void this data void that exists being filled. And that's why I'm so excited and why I made the move. When do you officially, I know you're in this hiatus between the old job and the new job. What, when are you actually, are you in that saddle of the new job? July 5th. So I'm trying to get my golf game as good as I possibly can, knowing it's going to fall off a cliff. But I will say I have to, I have to brag. I shot a 78 the other day, which, oh my was, gosh. which was like super exciting. So I'm, 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 uh, I think I've played six or seven rounds of golf, which I hadn't played in a long time. So that's exciting. Six or seven. Are you traveling the country and doing that? Are you doing it in no, your backyard or you... just around here? There's a lot of nice courses around here and I'm doing home projects. I repainted the ceiling in the dining room, put up some crown molding. I put up some siding that had split off on the side of the house. My house is uh, knocking out the honeydew list. Uh, exactly. You know, my daughter said to me the other day, she goes, dad, you should be out of work more often. <laughs> getting all these projects done. Like, okay. I should That's have been a, doing I, them for years. I should have I, been doing I, I, them. I, I want to jump around a couple of different topics here, Jason. Um, I actually want to jump back to the, the magazine business and media and content creation and just kind of get your take, your, your live take on this AI revolution that's happening right now. You know, this, uh, I know there's now uh, talk, maybe there'll be at some type of conference at Cedia, maybe pre-Cedia. I know that's a maybe, it's not guaranteed. Um, and we are taking an initiative at One Firefly to be talking about this. We think it's important for, for businesses to know that change is happening out there and how should they accommodate that, if at all, in their business activities. What's your opinion of what AI means for the media the business, the business you've been in for 30 years. Well, I can say the one thing that I'm proud of is Emerald is fully committed um, to on the on 
people. Uh, so we have had several internal discussions regarding uh, the ability to write at CE Pro. Emerald is the owner of CE Pro, for people who don't know. Um, also the owner of CD Expo. Uh, they bought CE Pro in 2018, for people who don't know that history. Um, but they're fully committed to having people uh, write the content and they have not done anything in any of their uh, publications, uh, certainly not CE Pro, that um, is going to be AI-generated content. However, um, I know that they're, they're experimenting with it on the marketing side. So, uh, you know, with CE Pro writes uh, a deep dive, then we, of course, put it up for download, free downloads on Facebook and those sorts of things. So they were experimenting with some some chat GPT for the the marketing copy copy I should say that they do for the pushouts, but the actual content itself we hadn't gotten there yet. But I joked to somebody the other day that if if when I find out if they hired an editor named Chet B Peters, then I was gonna <laughs> I was knew that my uh, my days were gonna be numbered, but. Um, you know, it's interesting because one of the things we had, a, they had a whole, uh, they had a legal uh, expert talk to everybody in the company about it, which was interesting that they believe they're going to be able to identify um, AI generated content. Um, and that leads to who owns that? Is that plagiarism? If you are taking content that is generated by an AI and using it um, versus generated by you as a human, um, that they're going to have algorithms that identify it. In fact, my daughters have told me then in school that they have classmates, they are not doing it, the classmates who are using uh, AI to generate their homework and the teachers already have a mechanism in place to identify it. My son is in, was in the eighth grade this year. He, he's now, he'll be in the ninth grade next year. And he mentioned, uh, I won't name the class or the subject, but he had a class with a student that was known to be a underperforming student. And there was an essay and, and the essay was written and the student had to read the essay. All the students in the class had to read the essay in front of the class. And he went up and read this essay in front of the class. And Max, my son, went suddenly and immediately and apparently overnight, he became Shakespeare. And he <laughs> was reading something that was clearly not written by him. And he was trying, the teacher in that case actually gave the student an F. It was clearly, obviously not written by the student. It was so divergent from any other content that student had ever written. Um, but I, I can't see, I can't see a future where students at school or, or college level or professionals aren't using this more and more and more and more. When you look out into the future, and, and I guess I'll give you another angle to this, which is the, uh, the aspect around video and imagery, right? Generative AI that's now you know, mid-journey. You're able to give it a prompt and it literally creates a photorealistic image. And there's a whole copyright set of questions around that. Well, what it, the, in the, the, Images that it derived from, is there any copyright infringement there? It's a lot of legal question marks. But just when you look forward, where do you see at a high, super high level, it's hard to know the exact answer because we're so new, 
But where does this play into the life of the integrator? The person that's paying attention to this, this podcast, where might it affect them if you were to predict, if you grabbed your magic eight ball and were trying to predict the future? And or where would you direct them that they should pay attention, at least from your, your knowledge and awareness of AI? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think they should stick with trusted sources, you know, who they trust. Um, CE Pro being one of them, um, you know, uh, One Firefly being one of them. I think also it's going to put a greater emphasis on peer-to-peer communication mm-hmm. uh, at conferences, uh, at, you know, group Zoom calls, um, at the CEDIA Tech Summits, the, the uh, Total Tech Summit, CEDIA Expo, uh, Infocom, all of these um, areas where they can have face-to-face communication with their peers um, because that's obviously 100%, you know, true believability, solid gold information. So I yeah. think you, you'll probably see more development of peer-to-peer type networks that we're seeing in things like the guild and the buying groups that are having it's these. Energy, Travis yeah. Leo's group. There. Yeah, Travis, yeah, I think that those are going to become even more important um, because you are going to know that those are 100% genuine uh, sources. Um, and again, I go back to my conversation regarding CE Pro. I can tell you that that at Emerald was fully committed um, to having these be human written, uh, not AI generated content for CE Pro. I, so um, I believe that'll continue, you know, for many years. Yeah, at One Firefly, I have a large team of writers. I believe in the human element. I do believe that there's a component of AI to assist in research. The idea of brainstorming and frameworks and chat GPT and other tools out there. I think there's some really neat creative ways to produce a better written product because of the research capabilities that these AIs do bring to the table. I don't know. Do you have an opinion there or have you, have you explored or tested out even in your, your, you know, outside of CE Pro, kind of your day-to-day life using it. Yeah. So I'll just I had one comment this weekend, I Father's Day, I was with my mom and dad in Virginia and I I taught I showed them chat GBT and I had that I had it write a poem to my dad for Father's Day and I gave it all these prompt inputs. My mom and dad were blown away. They thought it was like the coolest thing they had ever seen in their life. And you know, I prompted it in like 60 seconds and it it drafted this masterpiece of a 10 stanza poem that my mom printed out and put on the refrigerator. Wow. You did become Shakespeare. Not there you go. <laughs> but I said, it wasn't me. I said, here's a robot, yeah. but there's a Robotian uh, Shakespearean poem. Well, it'll be interesting because I know I spoke with an integrator who, who told a funny story of how he was, I think it was the local Kiwanis club or something like that. And he was the past the outgoing president. And so he had to give a speech to the group and he's not good at this is not you know, skilled doesn't like to get up in front of audiences in general and so he asked uh chat gpt to write him a speech as the you know outgoing president of kiwanis in whatever you know blah 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 and he wrote he said it was unbelievably eloquent and passionate and inspired the entire group and then at the end he said sincerely chat gpt he told everybody he yeah you know, he had not written it, but he goes, 
it made me now comfortable to do something like that. And I never would have, um, I just even start, where do I start writing a, a, a farewell speech or something like that? Yeah. So, um, I could see it being used if integrators are, um, maybe nervous or fearful to speak to a home builders association or an architects group or an ASID group, you know, to, to have it assist them in coming up with the right verbiage to, um, to speak eloquently to that group. Um, I think that's a great application. So I, I have messed around with it. Um, you know, and it, it was impressive. I, I was working on a, an application with my son uh, for something to do outside of school. And he had to write an essay. And I, I fully fundamentally oppose letting some, somebody else or something else write an essay. But I was working with them on this, this, this project. And I said, why don't we ask ChatGBT to give you a recommended outline or structure because it was like an odd question and he's young enough that he hasn't had to do college essays and things like that yet. And so, and I'm out of practice, so I didn't know the structure. I said, let's ask Chad GBT, like what should the structure of this thing be? And it gave this wonderful, eloquent, do write 50 words about this and do 70 words about this and structure it like this. And it then sat over here as an outline for him. And then he went and wrote all of his words and his ideas but it was like he had a tutor beside him and it was, it was a free tutor. It was really interesting. You know, I think there's all of these neat applications when we start thinking out of the box. Yeah. And, you know, for website development, from your standpoint, I, it's, it's really something to, to look at, I think maybe as a learning tool. So let's just say you want to write a section for an integrator's website that compares, you know, Crestron lighting control versus Lutron lighting control. And uh, you ask ChatGPT to include it to be optimized for Google SEO. Yep. Um, and then you probably have to tell them what words. And then um, look at that and use that as, as, a, as a basis for developing. Obviously, each, each company that you work with is different. You're going to have those personal elements that ChatGPT is never going to know about. That's um, right. You know, somebody who's com a committed family company or, you know, all, you can't possibly name every permutation that needs to be in that marketing copy. But yeah. it, at the very, you know, we used at CE Pro, we used a tool called Yoast. I don't know if integrators are familiar yeah, with that. Yeah, that's for your WordPress site. Yeah, right? with it embedded into WordPress that we then would uh, optimize the particular Google SEO terms that we wanted to uh, target in an article. We use CE Pro uses it for every article. Uh, every product post, everything has got a, has been run through this Yoast. Now, in many cases, it's impossible to get the, you know that Yoast is going to send you down a track that isn't necessarily going to be right for the reader. So, but I would bet 90% of the cases, we make sure we optimize that copy, human written copy based upon that uh, Yoast input. Yeah. So it, it's, it's beneficial. If you look, forward uh into the you know using your your vast experience and and understanding of market cycles you you've been through many different economic cycles and uh and you know our industry maybe is as good or as bit better than anyone out there 
What do you see for the the rest of this year, 2023? And what do you see even into next year? It's an election year. Um, unfortunately, because I hate the drama and the politics that come with that, at least in the current state of politics in the United States, they're pretty nasty. Um, so that aside, what do you see for the the integrators and the 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 industry at large? Any anything that seems obvious to you? And I, I just your opinion. Well, I mean, I could see, you know, I want to put a caveat that I haven't fully immersed myself in Dtools Cloud yet. So I need to learn this software, and that's going to be one of my first tasks. Obviously, is is learning it uh, to the same capability that the integrators are using it right now. So, um, but just in general, that software immediately has the ability to give forecasts of what's being, again, quoted, put in proposals, and then what's being ordered um, to give a status of market conditions. We saw it in the CE Pro um, 100 that we recently completed, uh, which was, I believe, the May issue of CE Pro, if anybody saw the, these are the largest integrators. You know, I don't want to say the most successful, but they have they've you know really um, um, got things nailed down for the most part in their companies, and I believe it was three percent growth. So last is what what they had. So that's you know demonstrably lower than what had has been you know coming out of this uh, twenty twenty one twenty two incredible yeah. So um, uh, and I again. I, I, the long, short answer is Ron, I can't predict because I don't know. Um, but I can look at what we've, what I've seen over the first six months of the year and seeing that it, there's definitely a slowdown. Um, but three, 3% growth is still growth. You know, look at it that way. It's not negative. I can remember the one thing I love about this industry is how optimistic everybody is. And I'll never forget. We did the CE pro state of the industry study um, in 2009, when the housing bubble burst and going in, it, it, it already happened in 2008. And then 2009 was going to be the, where the, you know, what hit the fan year and guys were still predicting growth. And then when the year, when the data came out, the typical integration company lost 50% of their uh, gross revenue in the year 2009, year over year. They, they shrunk by half. Um, so that's the one thing I love about these guys is they are so optimistic. The entrepreneurial spirit of this industry is amazing. I'll, I'll go way back years ago before I started writing for security sales. I wrote for a magazine called Metro magazine. It's a magazine for transit, um, entities, uh, you know, like BART in San Francisco or whatever Miami's, um, no entrepreneurial element to it all. It was all about regulations. And, um, and uh, you know, serving uh, light rail versus heavy rail versus subway versus busing versus... Not, not bus- the most exciting subject no. matter. And, and every um, issue was crickles, crickets and tumbleweeds of the reaction that I got. Nothing. Nothing. And <laughs> in this industry, it's amazing. Every, every single yeah. issue, everything I write, I get reaction from people. People are devoted to C-Pro. I... I, I give myself a pat on the back um, for the, for that and and hopefully connecting with a lot of people, but also recognizing that a lot of that is just driven by the pure entrepreneurial spirit that you're helping these small businesses succeed. 
Yeah, I think uh, part of it is this industry, it's technology and it's ever evolving and you got to stay up on it uh, if you want to have a chance. And I think the other side of it, and this is an assumption, I, I, I don't know this, but it feels right, is that there's just a lot of, for me, I found a lot of joy in working with small businesses. You know, just that small, that, that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, you know, when I went to college and studied engineering and my whole apprenticeship and internships were in aerospace engineering, you could not have paid me any amount of money to have me predict that I'd land in the custom integration industry. I didn't even know what it was. And then I went to work for Lutron and then they put me here because I was the engineer. So you're going to work with the CI people. But what, what I immediately fell in love with was the entrepreneurial spirit of all these business owners. And the idea that they're out there trying to make it for themselves, make it for their teams, make it for their families. They're out there trying to take care of their customers and they're trying to figure it out. And it's hard, but yet they just continue to push through. I mean, I think that's the American spirit. I say that it's, it's I don't know that it's the, this might be controversial. I don't know that it's the American spirit or it's the entrepreneurial spirit. But I mean, because I have great entrepreneurs I work with all over the world. And they're, that DNA is just infectious. You just want to spend time with them. They're optimists. They're hard workers. They believe in themselves. And they're saying, why not me? Why, why can't I be successful? So that's yeah. a bit of, uh, I, I'm, I'm fully in agreement with you. It's yeah, and awesome. Add on to that, that they're, they're doing installations this is one of the big differences between uh, my 10 years in the security space and, and the 23 years at CE Pro is security integrators, in essence, are installing, it's a necessary evil. Um, nobody wakes up in the morning mm. at, at their home and says, oh, honey, I can't wait for us to get a really great security system for the house. No, but they do say, I want a great sound system. I want a great video system. I want lighting control, all these things that enhance their lives. Um, so they're not only doing what you just described, but they're also doing it and and for customers who really want their services. Oh, a amen, amen. Jason, it's been awesome having you join me here on show 246 of Automation Unplugged. Uh, I've enjoyed uh, uh, working with you and getting to know you and being your friend for so many years. And uh, I, I remember when I saw your news that you were making a change, I was like, wait, this must be a reprint. There's no way. Jason's the senior editor of CE Pro. And I immediately called you. I was like, what is this news? Uh, but I know that uh, everyone listening and watching, and uh, myself certainly included, is rooting for your success in your new role. And uh, we couldn't be more, I couldn't be more proud to know you and call you a friend. And I'm excited about what you and Dtools are going to do for the industry with this new initiative. It's definitely innovative and it's definitely needed. And uh, I'm confident that you guys will make a difference. Um, for anyone that wants to get in touch with you, how would you, how would you have them do that? Uh, so my Dtools email is jasonk at dtools.com and that's d hyphen tools.com. You can obviously follow me on uh, Twitter at Jason W. Knott um, and uh, LinkedIn, uh, Jason Knott, Jason W. Knott. Um, 
and you know, one of my hopes, and thank you for your your commentary there, is that I hope my new role at Detools that I'm going to become just as value as valuable a resource of information for integrators on helping run their businesses and manufacturers too on helping run their businesses as I was at CE Pro. So um, that's what I think going to make this transition um, uh, pretty easy for me. And universally, almost everybody I've spoken with, not almost everybody I've spoken with, has said, wow, this is a, this is a great opportunity and a great tr- uh, move uh, transition. So I'm excited about it. Thank you for having me, Ron. I appreciate it. Now it's my pleasure, my friend, and uh, have a. It's Friday, so it's it's almost uh, the weekend. So have a wonderful weekend, and uh, you will be at Cedia, correct? You'll be you'll be working the the, the show at uh, the Detools booth. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. I'll be there, and and then you know one of the um one of the goals that I'm going to try to do is again I mentioned these these regular reports to the industry, kind of giving some of this. Uh, summary data and, um, you know, going to be working with CE Pro on getting that information out uh, via that, via the publication. So you're, you're still going to see me in CE Pro, but it'll just be coming from Jason, not at Tools. Awesome. All right. Thanks, buddy. Have a good rest of your day. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Automation Unplugged. For a full transcript of this show and all previous shows, head over to our website at onefirefly.com forward slash AU. There you'll find links to all transcripts, show notes, Facebook Live recordings, and resources mentioned during the show. If you enjoyed this episode and like to hear more, follow us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please follow us on social media. We are at One Firefly LLC on all platforms. Don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Automation Unplugged as we dive deeper into technology trends and the fascinating people that make up the custom integration industry. Bye for now.